All right, who's ready for the word? Awesome. I'm excited. Many of you know we're wrapping up a message series this morning. Uh, this is part three of A Blessed Nation. We've been in this series, obviously, for the last couple of weeks, and we're going to be wrapping it up today. And before I get in to the word, I feel like I just want to pray one more time just over the, over the message here. So if you would allow me to, please, Father, in Jesus' name, God, I just come to you right now, and I ask you, Father, speak through me. Lord, anoint me in these moments ahead to bring forth your word. I can't do anything without you, God. I have no hope in myself. I have no ability apart from that which you empower me with, God. And I ask you now in Jesus' name that you would help me to bring forth your word with truth, accuracy, that it may reach our hearts and it may produce a powerful transformational change in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we've been speaking, obviously, about a blessed nation and been talking about how really the church is called to lead the way in our society with change uh, and with being influencers for God. There's not this picture when we study the Bible of God's people being separated or segmented back from society, looking on all of the things that are happening and hoping or wishing for things to change. That God's people are meant to be up in the mix, stirring and shifting with all of the places in our culture, but in a way where we are bringing change transformation and influence according to the power that works in us. It's such a cry of my heart, folks, is that every single one of us who are children of God would recognize that part of our mandate, part of our calling from Him is to bring forth His message, His truth in the day, the age, and the generation that God has saw fit to appoint us to live in. And these are those times. If our nation is going to continue to be a blessed nation, as she has been since the beginning, it's not up to someone else. It's up to us to lead the way. The church that carries God's spirit, His power, His heart with us to be able to bring that into the world and let God use us as instruments of righteousness, the Bible says, for Him. Vessels that He can use to bring about the kind of change that He desires to see in our land. He wants us to be a blessed people. And if we'll seek Him and pursue Him for that, then He will do the part that only He can do. But Jesus said, He said that we are to be salt and light in the world. Now salt is interesting because he even said that if the salt loses its flavor, it's useless. It's not helpful for anything if the salt doesn't have potency, doesn't have flavor, doesn't have seasoning. How many people, when you eat something without salt that's very bland and very dry, you're like, like I need some salt, right? You put a little salt on that and it just changes everything. <laughs> Flavors it and it seasons it. I feel bad for all of you with high blood pressure who they have. <laughs> no salt. 
But salt has to have its flavor in order to bring seasoning to the food. And Jesus used this example. He likened our lives in our culture to this situation because we are meant to bring seasoning and influence and impact for him in the rest of the world and culture around us. But if we're not strong and living for God, if he's not working through us, then there can be a very just bland non-impactful result happening from our lives that is not the way that God has created us to be. It's concerning, I think, to me, that in, much pla- in many places in society that those who are the church are undistinguishable. You, you wouldn't even know the difference because the salt has lost its flavor and it's bland, and when it's added into the food, you can't even tell that it's there. There's no distinction, and that's not the way that God's people are are called to be. We're not supposed to blend in. We're supposed to stand out. (laughs) There's supposed to be something different about the lives of God's people. There's supposed to be something noticeable because there's a power that works in us that's greater than anything that works in this world, and we carry that with us. And so the church, God's people, the body of Christ, we are the army that is called to bring the change into our world that we desire to see. I would say be the change that we desire to see in our land. And so I want to go through today as we conclude our series a few points about some of the church's role in how we function in our land. Some of the things that God calls us to as the body of Christ for how we are to relate, interact, and, and, and function, if you will, in society. And so I have three points that I want to give you today. And the first point is that the church is called to respect those in places of governing authority. All right, And this is a big one, and I've never preached on this before. To be frank, it's just never come up in a message series or a message, but I've read and studied these scriptures countless times, and they're so clear to me the way that God speaks that we are supposed to relate to governing authorities in our land. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and start by opening it up to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13, verse 1, it says, Let every soul... Be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So, as the church called to be credible witnesses for Christ... Be good examples for him that demonstrate his love, his compassion to the rest of the world. One of the things that the New Testament, and especially the Apostle Paul, addresses many times is how we as the body of Christ, the church, need to honor and respect the laws of our land. We need to respect those who are in a place of governance over us. And this is not always something that we like to do. It's not something that we find all the time easy to do. I know my wife has a very difficult time with the speed limit laws. (laughs) 
But I tell her, honey, submit to the governing authorities in the... Sometimes you just got to rebuke that right out of somebody, you know. But it's not always easy to do. You know, sometimes we don't agree with the laws. Um, sometimes our immaturity can cause us to think things should be a certain way. And we have a very narrow view of all that goes into like how laws are made and how they protect us. And they're meant to keep us safe and free from harm in our society. I love our first responders and our military and our police because I believe by and large that their heart is to serve and protect and, and be there for the people. And that's a wonderful thing. And we're blessed to have such an established and strong presence of those individuals and those institutions in our nation. And, uh, and we need to respect them and we need to honor those rules and those laws that are put in place. It's not appropriate for us to just say we don't like it, we disagree, and so we're going to go against that and go our own way. Let me just say that has the beginnings of a rebellious spirit in the working right there that can manifest into much greater destruction in our lives. But I remember one time whenever I was a teenager, no, I'm sorry, I was in my early 20s, and... Uh, I've mentioned to you before that, you know, I had a pretty crazy past and pretty reckless uh, time whenever I was younger. And I'll never forget, we were down at the landing one weekend. Are my kids in here? Uh. Hmm. Let me think about what version of this story I'm going to tell. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, here it goes. <laughs> so we're down at the landing and, you know, having a good old time and getting ready to go home and we're headed to the parking garage to go to our cars and I had grown up outdoors and our home where we grew up was pretty secluded from neighbors and we spent time in the farm and all that and so you know when you got to go to the bathroom I mean you just go to the bathroom you know what a luxury of being a man thank the Lord for that ability right I mean God created me this way you know <laughs> who am I to defy that you know and so so anyway, I go out to the parking garage, and we're getting ready to leave, and I tell my buddy, hey, hold on, i got to go to the bathroom real quick. You know? So I find a little corner in the parking garage that looks perfectly appropriate for me to you know, do my business. So I head over there and do my thing. And all of a sudden, before I'm done, I hear this voice from behind me that says, what do you think you're doing? And I turn around, and it's a female police officer. Now, my brilliant mind at work says the obvious response, it's no big deal. We do this all the time. And that voice responded back, not in the St. Louis city, you are not going to do that. And I said, oh, okay. So I ended up getting a ticket citation for public urination. It's a thing, yeah. <laughs> And I didn't like it. You'd come out to the country with me try to write one of those things up. That ain't happening. But, you know, that was the law, right? So fast forward. What goes around comes around. Right? So you fast forward just a couple weeks ago. We are over at JAM, uh, VBS, Vacation Bible School with the kids. And it's water park time. And so I'm out there with Dax, my son. He's three. Now, we live in the country out away from the town and city. So Dax just... It's all he knows. When he's got to go, he just goes, you know. 
And it doesn't matter where it is out there. He just, real quick, right there, he's done, and then he's off to the next thing. Well, we're out there at Jam, water park, people everywhere. Dax comes running up to me with this, like, strained look on his face. I'm like, oh, he's got to go to the bathroom. He's like, Daddy, Daddy, i got to go potty. And, of course, he waits till the very last minute, you know, one more ride, and then he's got to go. So I'm like, all right, son, let's go. We'll go inside, and I'll, you know, take you to the bathroom. So we start to walk, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, Dad, it's okay. There's grass right here. <laughs> and he proceeds. I'm like, no, no, son. You, and I'm thinking to myself, he's not even going to understand what I'm going to try to explain to him, that you don't do this here because he's so used to doing it here. So I heard him jerk his pants. Like, son, this is a law. You know, you don't do this in public. Anyway, it goes around. I guess that came around full circle somewhere along the line. But the point of that is, is that we are called to honor and submit to those laws and those ordinances that are over us in our land, knowing that they're there to protect us. And even Jesus said this. He said in Matthew chapter 22, he said, look, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Render to God what is God's. And he, at another point, when they were coming into a town called Capernaum, there was a temple tax there that they had to pay. And so Jesus sent Peter. He said, hey, go down to the sea and throw your fishing line in the water and pull out a fish and pull out what's in its mouth and go pay the temple tax. So I love, this is always my solution if I need something. I, honey, I just need to go fishing. I need to throw my line in the water, get it wet, and see what comes out. So Jesus told Peter, he said, go down, get you know, fish. And so Peter does, and he gets a big fish out and I'm pretty sure it was a large mouth. And uh, he pulls the coin out and he pays the temple tax. Here's the point of that. Jesus submitted to the ordinances and the laws of the land. Jesus did. But he also always had the provision necessary in supernatural ways to be able to meet and honor those rules and still do what he was being called to do. You see, guys... There's not a law that's over you in your land that God would not give you the ability, the provision to be able to honor and regard if it's true to what he says he's called us to do. There's always a provision. We are trusting that God can actually make the way. We are trusting that the Lord is able to provide no matter what. And if we'll respect and honor the laws of the land, this is key, we're actually respecting and honoring Him. By respecting the laws of the land, we're actually respecting and honoring God. Does that make sense? And so when we're honoring God that way, then His hand of protection, blessing, and provision will be upon us there in our lives. Another thing that it says that we're called to do in how we honor our authority is that we are, by, by respecting, Peter says this, by respecting the ordinances of man under king or under governors, that we're actually doing good, that we would put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I love this, that there actually takes, it takes away an opportunity to discredit God's people whenever we honor authority that we're under. He's saying, look, you know, you do this, you take away the argument of ignorant people when you're honoring and respecting authority. And listen, the enemy will do whatever he can to try to discredit and defame God, to try to pull God's name down. 
And we recognize that when we respect the laws of our land, but we are trusting God above even that, that there is an example, that there is an influence that we have for Christ among the people that we walk with. That there's not a discredit that can come against us. And we're ultimately trusting God in this thing overall, ultimately, no matter what. Proverbs 21, chapter 1, says that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And just like a river or a stream, he moves it wherever he wishes. That's saying that those people who are in places of governance and that are in places of office or power, that I actually trust God more than I trust them. And that I know and believe that God is looking out for my welfare and my well-being and our well-being. And so we don't need to be the ones to necessarily look at those situations and think that I don't have to obey them or I don't have to listen to them or do something that is a part of what the laws that are being made are here. I trust God above even those things. It's the difference... I would say between us like a view of nationalism or providential care. And God's people have always lived under providential care. That the Lord is moving and working on our behalf and that He is providing for His people no matter what the natural conditions or circumstances may look like around us. And I believe that. And when we trust that, it causes us to live in a place where we're free to go and do exactly what God is calling us to do and go be influencers in the places that He's leading us into. Man, the world needs God's people alive with His Spirit and power operating and functioning in society in a way where change is happening because of that. That's the solution that God has really always had for the changes and the stability that He wants to bring to a nation and to a people, is using God's people to accomplish that. And that's part of what the church is called to do. The, the last thing I would say is that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we'll just read this first couple of verses, it says, I exhort first of all that supplication, prayer, and intercession... Giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. First of all, I love that part where we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. There's another place in Romans where Paul, I actually really like the way he says it. He says, if at all possible, live peaceably with all men. Look to your neighbor and say, it ain't possible with you. <laughs> Just notice, it says, if at all possible, means go to every length. But, you know, we know there are times where God is, there's the laws of God, the, the word of God has taken authority and precedence over the laws of man. We know that when Peter uh, was in, in the book of Acts in chapter 4, that they ministered to a man and, they, and healing came. And the Pharisees were like, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop preaching Jesus, and you need to stop ministering to these people. And Peter's response was amazing. He said, look, whether it's right in your sight to obey you or God, you judge. But as for us, we can only preach that which we've seen and heard. He's saying, listen, we respect the laws of the land, but what you're asking us to do, we cannot do because we are compelled by a higher authority to follow and operate in these ways. 
And that resulted in them moving forward. They were still released from their prison and they move forward. And here's the beautiful thing. The New Testament church, the, the growth of the church was never hindered by that whatsoever. God blessed them and continued to still see that work prosper and be fruitful. And so in these last verses that we just read, in the first part of it, it says that we are to make prayers, intercession, and supplication for all men and kings who are in authority. Part of the mandate of the church we have to see, like, this is our responsibility. It's not other people's responsibility. It's our responsibility is to pray for those who are in leadership in our nation. We must pray for them. The prayers of the saints have great significance in the impact of God's work happening in our land. We cannot absolve ourselves from this mandate. As the church, we are called to this. God has given us the, the priority to pray for those people who are in authority and in places of leadership in our land. And if we're not doing it, let me ask you, who is? Who is? And who are they praying to? None, much less. Right? We are called to offer those prayers. And if God's people are not the ones praying and, and petitioning heaven for the Lord's hand to be on those in authority, folks, the void that would be left from the lack of those prayers concerns me greatly. They need our prayers. They need us lifting them up to God and asking Him to work and move in that situation. And when we do, there is an influence, a divine persuasion that is at work beyond anything we could possibly even understand. God is on his throne, he is sovereign, and he is always in control. But he has always petitioned the prayers of his people. I, I just, I find this remarkable. It says God knows the things that we need of before we ask. Think about that for a second. So he already knows what's needed in the situation. But yet at the same time, he says, hey, you need to pray unceasingly. So he, he's asking for our prayers, which means that those prayers are affecting the outcomes of situations. What is more important than the outcome of who the people that are in leadership and in governance over our land are than God's hand being the one that's directing and guiding that? Amen? So we need to respect those in authority. The second point that I want to make today, which is the role of the church, is to equip the saints. When the church is functioning properly, she is a massive force, the most transformational force on the planet. And the church needs to be strong and influential and significant in society, not some small, meaningless, inept type of voice, but a very influential, strong, and powerful voice in what's happening and what's going on. In order for that to happen, God's people must be strong. We must be raised up in churches across our land, being built up in our faith so that we can walk forward powerfully, victoriously over all the places and things that God is calling and leading each one of us into in our own way. It says this in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, uh, verse 11. It says, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Jump down to verse 16. From whom the whole body, 
joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So what it's saying is God has put his spirit in us and Jesus established his church and he's calling people into places of leadership in the church, pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles. And the role and the calling of those in leadership is to serve and it's to raise people up in the church to be strong and fulfill what God is calling them to do. In order to do that, they must be strong and mature in their faith. That's what needs to be developed to see that through. And I love this because it says here that all of the members are, are playing a function and playing a part. And so let me say this to us, that we are first children of God before anything else. Yeah. That we are members of God's people of his body the body of Christ so our relationship with Christ is how we establish identity okay what we do in society is not our identity it's what we do it's what we're called to it's what we're empowered to by God's holy calling but it's not who we are we have to recognize that first and foremost like we are members of the body of Christ we're a part of the church and God's people and that's the first priority. And so we are raised up strong in the body of Christ for God to be able to use us to do in our land what he's calling us to do. Some will be in government. Some will be in education. Some will be in business. Some will be in other circles and other sectors of our society. But all should carry the power and a wisdom and ability of God's spirit in us. We're first and foremost uh, members of the body of Christ. And the other thing it says in there that I think is really important that we recognize is that God's using those in places of spiritual authority to develop that in us. Does that make sense? Like by being under spiritual authority, just like we talked about governing authority, that God is actually using those that he is appointing in offices of the church to develop the gifts, to de develop the faith, and help to raise us up to become all that God has created us to be. There's a perfect plan that God has, and he's always at work. And so we're trusting that by our, taking our place in the body of Christ with God's people and the leaders that God puts in place, that we are being raised up to be a strong people to fulfill a calling that God has put on each and every one of our lives. The church being the church in the world. Amen? And uh, the last point that I want to make about the role of the church as we wrap up this series of A Blessed Nation is that we must ultimately seek to glorify God. Glorifying God must be our end objective so that God's name is lifted up in our land and that he is the one who is made famous. God's name needs to echo all throughout society. Ronald Reagan said something very profound. Now, mind you, you got to think, this was only 30 years ago, okay, in the 80s. He's a great president, in my opinion. And Ronald Reagan said this. He said, if we ever 
forget that we are one nation under God, then we are a nation gone under. Wow. Wow. We must seek to glorify God. When men begin to take glory for themselves, it brings us into a place of a slippery slope that leads us down a track that we do not want to go into. God wants to use us mightily, powerfully, but he requires the glory. You have to understand that about the way God functions. The Bible says in Romans 11, chapter 11, verse 36, it says that all things are of him, through him, and to him. Okay, and I can give you other examples in the scriptures, but I just want to point this out. All things are of. There's three different positional little uh, verse uh, statements in there. Of, that's coming down from heaven. There is a power that originates in heaven that God wants to pour out to you and I. And it says that all things are through him, which means we're sustained by him in all that we do. We're empowered by his grace in our lives every single day. But then it says that they're to him. They, the glory must be returned. You understand? The glory must be given to God. I love it when people in places of influence, in places of prominence, quote unquote, in our society, get a public platform and they're asked to speak about what's going on, the great things that are happening, the success that they're having. And I love it when the first words out of their mouth are, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think, praise God. They're giving him the glory. And as long as we will continue to give God glory for what he's doing, he will continue to rain down blessing on us so wide, so vast, it cannot be contained. Isn't that something? Listen to this. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 27, it says, It's not, eat, it's not good to eat much honey, and it's not, uh, to seek one's own glory is not glory. At some point along the way, there's times where nations become great in their own eyes, when really that's never why they were great to begin with. We take our eyes off of God and put them on ourselves. We take the glory from Him, and we affect the work that He's wanting to do continually from that point on in and through us. 1 Corinthians 1.31 says, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And this last verse I want to give you in Isaiah chapter 5. It says, Therefore Sheol has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure, their glory and their multitude and their pomp. So this speaks to arrogance and thinking that they're glorious in their own sight. Okay, Their glory, their multitude, and their pomp, and he who is jubilant shall descend into Sheol. People shall be brought down, each man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. The Lord of hosts, here it is, get this, shall be exalted in judgment, and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness. You know what this says? This is what this says. It says that God is going to be glorified no matter what. 
He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess those above the earth, those on the earth, and those under the earth. It makes no difference what people believe or don't believe. The day is coming where every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. And it says in these verses that God will be glorified one way or another. But he could be glorified by his people singing his praises and giving him the glory that he's due or he can be glorified in judgment. It's one of those two. I prefer the first. Amen. Amen. So let's close with this. Proverbs 14:34. This is where we opened up the series 3 weeks ago. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I love this. That God wants to put his hand upon a people. We already know that he's, if, you, if God's spirit's in you, we already know that we're born again, that we're blessed, that God's using us, right? But he wants to put a, his hand on a people corporately, a nation. It just means a group of people, right? And Jesus came for all the nations of the world, not just one. He came for all of the nations of the world. And God wants to put his hand on people, on nations, and raise them up, exalt them to places of influence so that we can lead the way in the world in any generation that we're on this earth for him and for him alone. It says righteousness exalts a nation. And then in Proverbs 11, 11, it says, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Notice that the blessing on God's people and that blessing continuing to flow in the society is the precursor to, God's, to the city being lifted up. It's God's blessing on us and operation in us that will cause our nation to be blessed, guys. We carry that blessing, and as we walk in that, then God will continue to use his people, his church, in this nation in a way where change, influence, and transformation is abounding in our land. And we will continue to see the hand of God elevating this nation up to a place of influence, prominence, and prosperity, the way that he wants to do. Continue it, the way we started, and I pray the way we continue to see for all the generations to come until Christ returns. But spiritual wealth... The blessing of the upright exalts the nation. Spiritual wealth precedes economic wealth. Do you see that? The spiritual condition, environment, and atmosphere of the land is always what dictates the economic well-being and prosperity of God's people. We must contend for spiritual health in our nation. We must be God's people taking our place in society and being the people that he's called us to be. The church, in my opinion, is the answer and the solution as the ambassadors for change that we want to see in our land. We don't stand back, hope, and wait that somewhere somebody does something. We rise up and we take our place. We are a people of destiny. God has created us to make an impact in this world for him. I pray that you seek him with all your heart, 
with all your mind and all your soul. I pray that you know you've been created with a holy calling that God saw and ordained before time began, the Bible says. That's who you are. It's who he's made you to be. What a tragedy for us to live a life and not step into the fullness of what God has prepared us for in our destiny. Amen? And allow me to just pray for us. And as I pray, I, I feel like I'm probably going to have some prayers very specifically uh, for our nation. And I'm going to ask you as we do to really hook in and join in with that. And, and recognize that there is a power and there is an authority. When God's people are crying out to Him for their land, nothing else is more significant than that for the well-being of the people in that land. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, first of all, God, I thank You that You created each and every person here with a purpose, with a calling, with a destiny. And that you've equipped us, each and every one, to play a role, to be a member, to edify the whole. Help us to see our place. Help us to step boldly into the areas that you're leading us into. We thank you, God, that Jesus' precious blood has made the way for us. That while we were far off, we've been brought near by that precious blood. We thank you that you've put your spirit in your children so that we can walk and live with a power that does not originate in this world. We thank you, God, for your divine leading and guiding every step of the way. And now we want to just lift up, God, our land. We want to lift up our nation right now. We just call the United States blessed. God, we just say that we contend for your hand to be upon this nation, that your hand stay upon this nation. God, that you would raise people up, men and women in the body of Christ, and send them into places of our society to be strong influences for you, God, to be ambassadors for you. We contend for transformational change in government. We contend for transformational change in our education system, in business, in families, in media, in military, God. We thank you for what you're doing in the military right now. We thank you for all those hearts who are being turned to you in our military, all around this world, God. We see those reports. We see those articles. We see those videos. And we give you glory and honor for what you're doing in those places, Lord. And we just say right now, in Jesus' name, that you be glorified, God, above all things. That your word be the ultimate authority in our lives. And that we contend to make that so in our nation. In Jesus' name, amen.